Hello. Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison and I'm here to give you brief reviews so you don't have to do any research. Hope everyone had a nice week in the past week. I've just been, you know, you know, it's got to that point in lockdown where all the days have just kind of merged into one. It hasn't been a particularly strong week in terms of films for me, so it's going to be a bit difficult, I suppose, because it's it, it's, not, it's not one of those things where like the films I watched were bad or they weren't like amazingly good. They're just kind of like eh, they serve their purpose. So it's going to be tricky, I suppose, to to review my films today. Um, let's get on to our first film of the week. So the cat behaving badly in this case is Kristen Wiig turning into a big, bad, weird cat. This world is not yet ready for all that you will do. Your time will come, Diana. And everything will be different. The first one I'm going to be looking at is the sequel to Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984. Bringing back director Patty Jenkins from the first one, Gal Gadot being Wonder Woman. They bring back Chris Pine, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that in a second. Kristen Wiig as Barbara Minerva, the cheetah, and Pedro Pascal as Maxwell Lord. So obviously, 1980s, Diana Prince is, 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 is lonely, she's sad. And a greedy oil man, Maxwell Lord, finds a stone that can grant wishes. And it all goes bad from there. You've always had everything, while people like me have had nothing. Well, now it's my turn. Get used to it. for rules the answer is always more the way i fly they will never find us so i avoided the trailers and the posters for like a really long time because i didn't want to get spoiled the first film means so much to me if you listen to the films that made me episode of this podcast you'll know how much wonder woman means to me it inspired my dissertation basically and i was looking at how instead of being a great feminist masterpiece it was it was almost a misandrist piece where like the men were just being subservient to women and that's not really equality my dudes i think it does better this time around in terms of you know having them on a more equal playing field at least my first impressions of it i personally believe that this film was more a mush together structure of two films because the way Cheetah was brought into the mix played by uh, Kristen Wiig as Cheetah by the way was absolutely brilliant I loved her in the role and how uh, her part in the story was very heavily involved with Maxwell Lord's character and Pedro Pascal is really great in the role as well very eccentric and exuberant was it was really great for the piece but it felt like there were themes in there that could have been better explored that would have needed a much longer runtime. And this film is already two and a half hours long. And though at times I didn't really feel that, it did feel like an extended version of something that could have actually just been two separate films. Like a lot of it, because Kristen Wiig's character was a lot about her lack of self-confidence. And if anything, 
you know, gaining the power she has. I won't, I won't, I won't go much deeper into it, but I suppose it's more to do with my philosophy that she was already this amazing person that just lacked the self-confidence to kind of command the space that she could have had but her getting the powers and her finally getting that attention and her valuing her self-worth over these new powers is sort of an interesting thing that could have been explored but instead it then becomes her vision of herself being warped by this need for more power with the Maxwell Lord story and th- there could have been some really amazing touching moments that had that had some nice moments in the film but there weren't really enough of them to really make me fully emotionally invested like I did in the first one and coming to Chris Pine so Chris Pine is returning from the first film and I w- and when I found out about this I was really annoyed because so spoilers for the first film the way how Chris Pine's character dies in the film it felt so final and it and it really hit hard when like I remember when I was in the cinema I was crying in that moment and and bringing him back for the sequel it felt it really cheapened the emotional effect I had when he died in the first one and the fact that they can just magic him back I was just like well why should I care about this character anymore when it when it feels like he can just be brought back whenever you like But in the way he was brought back and the way, you know, his character is dealt in this film makes sense in terms of the story and all of that. But I personally feel like we could have done without it. If if I was making this film right, if I if I had the power, if I was Patty Jenkins, I would do a film solely focused on Diana Prince and Barbara Benerva's story and a film about self-confidence and and a film about knowing your self-worth and not having your worth in the world being determined by others or other people's attention and affections. I think that would have been a much more impactful film, also a more feminist film than what came out in the long run. Thing is, I'm coming up with all this and the film is okay. I think it's a relatively decent sequel. There have been a lot worse um, in the DC world and in the Marvel world. There are some worse sequels out there. But if I were to do a day where I was felt like watching a marathon of superhero films, Wonder Woman's duology wouldn't really be my first choice. Now, coming on to our second cat behaving badly. I mean, there are many cats in this film. I, I, I just felt, you know, there's one bad cat and it'll suit the theme just fine. Life's not fair, is it, my little friend? While some are born to feast, others spend their lives in the dark. Begging for scraps. The second film I'm going to be looking at is 2019's. Well, 2019 didn't remake it. Disney's remake of The Lion King, released in 2019, directed by John Favreau, and the script written by Jeff Nathanson, also based on, I'm presuming, the original script by Brenda Chapman. And. It's not that much different from the original, guys. It's about, you know, Simba losing his dad, blaming himself for the for his death and then just running away and then realising, oh, actually, he's a king. He should take some responsibility. That's literally it.
your place. In the circle of life. I'm going to say it's not as bad of a remake as I heard it was. The technical elements are stunning and I think it's an achievement in visuals in cinema. There were elements they were trying to improve on the last one. They tried to make Nala's character a little bit more, quote unquote, feminist and more hashtag independent, which came across to me as a little bit they were doing it out of their sense of duty to woke culture rather than actually trying to do a decent job making a proper female character i think they did a lot more with sarabi simba's mother who is played by alfred woodard she was really great in the part and i think she would tell Ijiofor was really great a scar and people were criticizing that be prepared became more of a spoken rap and i'm like with the theme with the theme with the aesthetic they were going for it kind of worked it just felt a little bit they didn't go all the way so it felt a bit like eh overall if this was a new film right if this wasn't a remake i think it would be a decently made film but i think they take so much of the original script from the film to the point they use the same backing vocals in circle of life it felt like they were too nervous to fully go for it and make something that could actually have been quite refreshing And I think it's a shame because there are elements like the way they were trying to celebrate African culture. You have Rafiki who speaks in Costa. Like you could tell they were really trying to make this like a more soulful piece rather than just like a really fun tale of animation. The the criticism of the lion's looking form of expressionless compared to the original where it's so animated, it didn't particularly bother me. It's just that coming from an original film that was so embedded in soul and a sort of magic in the way it gripped people it just didn't do it this time around purely because in my opinion it didn't have the nerve to take it to the next level but i'm saying this there are as i said for wonder woman in 1984 there are worse remakes out there and i'm excited for the sequel which barry jenkins who's the director of um moonlight um if you know that film won the academy award i think in 2016 2017 i'm excited for what they're going to do with that whether they're going to remake lion king 2 simba's pride or they're going to do something completely different it's exciting for me. I think it's more on the decent end of remakes, but it was playing it a bit too safe. Now, the next film I'm going to be looking at, The Cat Behaving Badly, is instead of a human embodiment of a cat or a very well animated CGI cat, this is a cat embodiment of a soul of a revengeful wife. She will not die because she willed not to die. Lygia, the tale of terror Edgar Allan Poe thought his greatest. The masterfully macabre performance of Vincent Price together bring to life the undead. To haunt the living. 
The last film I'm going to be looking at is an adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Tomb of Ligeia, directed by Roger Corman and adapted for screen by Robert Town and Paul Mayersberg. And it's about widow uh, Verdon Fell, who's played by iconic horror actor Vincent Price, is grieving of his wife Ligeia but finds herself a new wife in Rowena Trevanion, played by Elizabeth Shepherd. We find out that Vernon Fell's wife, Lygia, has come back to haunt them in the form of a cat. No harm will come to you. Give over your will to mine. The strangest love story ever told making her life a nightmare of heart-stopping horror such as few humans have ever survived. Can I first say that I am quite glad they said the name Ligeia many times in this film because I would have never guessed how it was pronounced. I was like, Ligeia? Uh, Ligeia? I would have never thought it was a soft G. I always thought it was a hard G. But anyway, that doesn't particularly matter. I'm presuming it's a short story by Edgar Allan Poe, The Tomb of Ligeia, because the film is like an hour and 20-ish minutes long. And I will say you can kind of tell because some plot elements were a little bit rushed. Like it got to half an hour in the film and I thought we were at the end, like from the way that things were panning out. Elizabeth Shepherd is the standout of the piece being able to multi-role as... Rowena Trevanion and Ligeia something I didn't clock until the end when the credits showed that she was playing both of them I was like "Ooh, that's really cool well done you <laughs> well done you um either there was a low budget or there wasn't very excellent team behind doing the sound because the sound was a little bit dodgy there were some sequences I quite liked like there was a dream sequence where Elizabeth Shepherd as uh, Lady Rowena she has a nightmare she's at around the house but it's all this kind of dreamscape weird more surreal and abstract rather than actual real life dream sequence which near the end of it it's played out in real life but obviously in a more realistic natural manner this is going to sound like an insult. It's a good pastimer. Like, there are worse films out there. I just personally, it didn't hit me. Like, the points there where it was supposed to move me didn't really. Because I felt so emotionally detached from most, if not all, the characters, I was more focused on the tech elements, hence why I noticed why the sound was really bad. They kept on repeating the same lightning sound effect that is used throughout most of films throughout that time. It's not entirely certain what protagonist it necessarily wanted because Lady Rowena looked like she was the protagonist but they spend a lot of time of Vincent Price's character probably because he's the really big name of the film and also he was a frequent collaborator with the director Roger Corman so I think that's why tonally slash plot structure wise it felt a little bit off to me at times it is a bit disappointing for me because I was actually quite excited to see what was going to happen but I think overall the film is a bit of a miss. Now those are all the films I watched. Those are all the cats behaving badly. I think if I'm going to pick one of them, because Wonder Woman 84 and the live action remake of The Lion King, they're kind of on the same playing field in terms of my personal ratings for them. I think just because it's a new story rather than a rehash of the same thing, I'll go with Wonder Woman 1984. 
that might be a controversial opinion because I know lots of people that really hate the sequel but personally the things that they found an issue with I didn't really have an issue with slash I'm not really sure where they found that issue they had but maybe in a few weeks time I'll find it out and then I'll completely change my mind but for the time being I think that's the film I'm going to go with but thank you everyone so much for watching please rate and review the show at wherever you get your podcast it would be immensely appreciated uh, the show has a patreon as well only one pound a month if you fancy clicking uh, the link in the show notes to support the show you can follow the podcast at lights carry action on instagram and facebook but you can also follow my personal instagram and twitter at carry 97 but i think that's it for the time being take care and stay safe <laughs>